Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage... You'll run these people over in a second. Oh! Oh my goodness! It's time! Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. We are here for your UFC betting preview on April 29th coming to you from Las Vegas. We have UFC fight night song versus Simone. Brendan Glasheen joined by our UFC betting expert, Sean Zarillo and Billy Ward. Most Fridays we're here. All goes down at the UFC apex center in Vegas on Saturday. We'll look ahead to our favorite, the guy's favorite props underdogs. And we'll also work in some best bets as we normally do. We preview uh, two fights extensively, including the main event, Ricky Simone, Song Yadong, Sean Zarillo. Um, how do we want to bet this fight? And what jumps out to you just in terms of when you're picking it apart, trying to find the proper angles? What about the fight jumps out to you? Yeah, so this was originally scheduled to be a three-round fight. Moving back to five rounds probably helps Ricky Simone. He has the better cardio, more wrestling, all of the grappling upside essentially. Song Yudong, the better striker, faster hands. And I think relative to Ricky's previous opponents is much more physically strong. He's a really good athlete, much younger, or not much younger fighter, but the younger fighter and still on his way up and improving, working with Team Alpha Male, improving his takedown defense. We've seen him taken down in the past. Tends to happen later on in the fights, though. So the first two, three rounds, I do expect Song to have a 2-1 lead. After the three rounds, headed into the championship rounds, with the idea that maybe he can split one of the final two rounds and take a decision. But he does possess all of the finishing upside as well. And generally, when I'm weighing these fights, I want to favor the fighter who either has all of the finishing upside, all of the grappling upside, or all of the cardio upside. I would say Simone does have two of those three. He does have the grappling upside, the wrestling upside, in addition to the cardio factor down the stretch. But I would say in Song's last fight against Corey Sanhagen, the way things were trending in the fourth round... I was actually very glad that, that fight got stopped due to cut stoppage because I had bets on Sanhagen and it seemed like Song was working his way back into the fight as the fight was going longer. So his cardio actually kind of impressed me in that fight, was taken down a couple of times. I do expect the longer that this fight goes with Ricky Simone, 
Simone eventually takes him down in the later rounds, if not earlier, and maybe gets some top time. But in terms of the damage optics, who's going to be hitting harder? Who's going to be landing the more significant strikes? Not more significant strikes, but the more damaging strikes over the course of 15 minutes. I think all of that points to Song Yidong. So Song on the money line, plus 100, plus 105. I like it at any plus money number. He's my pick. I do expect a very competitive fight, though. And I think if you're looking for the best angle to bet Simone, I would probably target him live after round two or after round three. Maybe he loses the first couple of rounds. He's down 2-1 heading into the fourth round, and you get a nice juicy plus money number on Ricky after round two or round three. So that's how I'd look to bet the favorite. But pre-fight, I definitely think Song is the side. Okay, excellent. And, that, and Billy, that you break this down in your luck ratings article available at Action Network. It's been up now for a couple of days. The, the elevation of this event uh, to, to the main event is key as Zerillo mapped out with a couple of extra rounds here. And that's why you also like Song, but from a, a different perspective. Yeah, you know, I, I came to the same conclusion as Zerillo, but with slightly different process to get there. I actually think the five rounds help Song a little bit. Both guys have good cardio. We've seen it from both of them. You know, Song went four rounds against Sanhagen. Simone has not had a five-round fight in the UFC, but he won one, I think, to punch his ticket to the UFC. He won a five-round championship fight. But wrestling, especially continuing to wrestle, is just a lot more taxing from a cardio standpoint than boxing. You know, Olympic wrestling matches are nine minutes, and championship boxing matches are 36 minutes. So when we got one guy who's going to stand there and try to throw heavy punches, that just takes a lot less effort and energy than trying to wrestle, wrestle, wrestle the whole time. So if, you know, Simone gets taken down early, but kind of he's going to use a lot more of his gas tank than Song is. Plus, Simone needs to continue to win this fight in each and every round. He needs to control the fight. He needs to, you know, get to the positions he needs to be. Song just needs to land one punch. So if it gets to the later rounds, both guys are kind of gassed. I'd, I'd rather be on the guy who just needs to land one shot rather than the guy who needs to control the round. That's where Sean and I see it kind of the same way, where he's going to land the more damaging shots. You know, so I'm also playing the knockout odds at plus 210. I'm going to have both the money line and the knockout. I think it's probably the likelier way that Song wins this, even if it's a later one, just by, you know, accumulating damage over the course of it rather than one big shot. And as Sean pointed out, he's just 25. Power is kind of one of the slower things to develop for fighters. We've seen him pick up knockouts in half of his UFC wins already. His knockdown rate is about twice the whole UFC average, even including heavier fighters. And to do all that at 25 when you're still getting a little bit stronger, still getting some of that man strength, I think, you know, there's a lot more good things to come from him in terms of power. Just before we we jump off of the Bantamweights here, I do want to comment because we saw Mirab Devashvili just completely wipe out Piotr Jan with a grappling heavy game plan over the course of 25 minutes relatively recently. That was an outlier performance. You know, that is what Ricky Simone wants to do is just sort of suffocate song up against the cage or take him down over the course of 25 minutes and keep doing it and shoot five takedowns around. I don't think anybody on the planet can keep up with the pace that Mirab Devash really set in that fight. That was a unique performance. I don't think you're going to get that kind of sustained pace over 25 minutes by Ricky here. So maybe he does it in burst, but to win three rounds, four rounds comfortably with that sort of game plan against the guy who hits much harder and is much more durable than you is tough. Yeah, if, if you guys haven't grappled ever, taking someone down is like the most taxing thing you can do. Just once. Like, just try to go do it once against anyone who knows what they're doing, much less, you know, seven, eight times over the course of 25 minutes. It, it's awful. So maybe he's the guy who can do it, but when we're getting plus money on the other side, I'm going to bet that he can't. 
Okay, there you go. So there's your breakdown of Song and Simone coming up on Saturday night. There's your main event. We'll get to the fight of the night in moments. Zarillo, I've got FanDuel pulled up here. Favorite underdog that you're looking towards this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go with Fernando Padilla at plus 130. I also like him by knockout or TKO at plus 360. This should be a firefight where Padilla is younger, seven years younger, two-inch reach advantage. And he has half the fight history and damage on his shin as Julian Arosa. I think Julian Arosa's skill for skill is a top 15 ranked fighter in his division. But he has a bit of a wonky chin. And he doesn't necessarily pursue the grappling upside that he has until he gets hurt. He doesn't go out there like Ricky Simone and proactively pursue multiple takedowns per round. He tends to reactively shoot a takedown once you hurt him. Uh, so he may possess the grappling upside in this fight, the grappling advantage. Padilla is two years younger, though. He's faced a high level of competition. Fought in LFA, CFFC, fought Dan Ige regionally. He's faced some really high-level guys throughout his regional career, even though he's just now making it to the UFC. So I think we're going to get a very high-variance fight where these two exchange in the middle. And Padilla is the younger guy with the reach advantage and hits just as hard. So giving him the durability advantage in what could be a slugfest. I like him at plus money, like him by knockout at plus 360. And I do think Julian Arosa, if he grapples proactively, can win the fight probably comfortably, but it's not something he typically does. Hey, Padilla down to plus 116 as we speak to you on this Friday morning over at FanDuel. Billy, underdog that jumps out to you. Yeah, not a great card for underdogs, in my opinion, especially at this point where some of the value, as you just pointed out, has been lost. I kind of like Waldo Cortez Acosta. Honestly, a lot of what Zarillo said about Padilla applies here, too. He's younger, reach advantage, fighting a guy who's you know, been through some wars and been around forever. He's fighting Marcos Rogerio de Lima, who is skill for skill, like considerably better than he is, right? Like Rogerio de Lima is you know, much more experienced, all that. But Rogerio de Lima is almost 38. Rogerio de Lima was on the ultimate fighter when Waldo Cortez Acosta was a minor league pitcher in the Reds organization and it never even had an amateur fight. So at plus 160, I'm kind of banking in that Waldo Cortez Acosta has developed a little bit more here than we've seen in his last couple fights. I was a little bit disappointed with both of his first two UFC fights, but this is a guy who's only been a professional for five-ish years, only been an amateur MMA fighter for I think six or seven. You know, it was the first time he ever stepped into a cage. He has a huge athleticism advantage. He's bigger, stronger, younger. And it's just a lot easier to think of a 31-year-old who's only been training a handful of years as getting much better versus a 37-year-old where we've probably already seen his best fights. Zarello, you find a, a first five money line play on on this former minor leaguer or what? Is that what you're looking for right now? <laughs> yeah, so Cortez Acosta, an interesting fighter, right? Because, you know, he does have that pitching background. So you would expect him to really like, have this powerful lower half and to really chuck bombs, but he just kind of touches people. It's a lot of like light volume peppering you from the outside. Billy said he does have the reach advantage. I think his grappling deficiency though, could be what costs him here. DeLima sometimes does pursue the takedown. Sometimes he doesn't and just tries to chuck bombs, but I think he should He's a BJJ black belt. I think he can probably top time Acosta here if not knock him out. But the longer this fight goes, as Billy mentioned, Acosta, the younger guy, maybe over the course of 15 minutes, he outvolumes him. I mean, he should outvolume him over 15 minutes, but maybe he has better cardio to do it over 15. So I get the angle. I'm on Delima personally. I think he finishes him with grappling in round one, but I, I certainly get the argument for, you know, 
a heavyweight fight where most things are closer to even money taking a shot on a dog. But yeah, I, I, I mean, it goes to an interesting prospect. You don't see too many baseball players, ex-baseball players coming over to MMA. It's a lot of hockey players, football players. So I, uh, I feel bad betting against uh, a guy who should be my guy. Yeah, I think he's the only one. It's rugby. We found out it's the best other sport for MMA, but uh, yeah, not a lot of baseball. I will say to the grappling, pretty much all of Rogério de Lima's losses in the UFC, including all fighter submissions. Not that I think he's going to be scared to take down a guy who was, you know, a pitcher ten years ago, and worried about getting submit submitted. But if I'm a guy who's lost all my fights by submission, maybe I don't force a takedown. I don't know. You know, kind of sloppy heavyweight fight. I'm also on this one to go to a decision at pretty significant plus money for some of the reasons Sean pointed out, but plus 160 is pretty good for a sprinkle on a guy who has all the athletic tools. Get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from ensuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, the fight of the night we want to touch on at UFC Fight Night Song Simone is we've got Kayo Bohalio and Michael Olashechuk. Uh, Olashechuk is at plus 290 on the money line. 
and Kyo's at minus 385. We don't normally like to lay big juice on the show, just based on what you guys have given out in previous episodes. So we try to find creative ways to bet uh, the fight of the night. Zarella, why is this fight notable to you, and what kind of edges have you found? I think the winner of this fight will probably get a big matchup next, probably a ranked opponent. Uh, two very exciting middleweights. McCall has moved down from light heavyweight. He used to knock light heavyweights out cold, and I think his power and his strength at middleweight is pretty substantial. He was always undersized for 205. Moving down to 185 is his proper weight class, and I think he hits extremely hard for the division. 10 of his 18 wins are in round one. 14 of his 18 wins inside the distance. And in this particular matchup, I have him. See, I have a difficult time seeing him winning a decision. If he's landing the things that he needs to land on Bahio in order to win a decision, he probably knocks him out. Uh, it's it's just difficult to envision him winning clean minutes and the fight going 15 minutes. It doesn't really align. Kyle should be the better minute winner. All of the grappling upside, it's very likely he finds a submission in round two or round three. But he's also spent a ton of time in the UFC with back control and never submitted his opponents. It's a very frustrating guy to watch uh, because he gets to these dominant positions. He's completely out of danger. But then he doesn't seem to be able to want to lock up the submission. It's, it's not that he can't. He almost seems to not want to. It's like he's trying to get cage time. But in terms of this particular opponent, I think he's going to be in trouble in the first round. McCall pressures everybody. I cashed a 7-1, 9-1 ticket on McCall round one against Gamzatov a couple fights back. I think you could just bet McCall like this in every one of his fights and come out ahead. And these are the best round one prices I've seen on him. So McCall round one straight up is, I believe, 10-1. to But his round one knockout is 13-1. to His round two knockout is 24-1. to and just the straight up knockout odds are plus 650. I like all of those. I would not play any of them big. I think somebody wins this fight inside the distance. It is minus 200 to end inside the distance. And it's going to be very binary. But you're telling me that Mikhail Oksaychuk is plus 300 on the money line. But I generally think most of his win condition is tied to that plus 1300 knockout round one or plus 2400 knockout round two. So yeah, I, I given the price discrepancy where those props are, I thought his round one prop was going to be like five to one, not 10 to one. So the the odds on his finish props just are substantially higher than I was expecting relative to his money line and also relative to our where I think his chances of winning minutes in this fight are, which is pretty low. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we do these betting previews and sometimes we bring up the possibility of live betting and if cards are good for live betting opportunities. And, and Billy, you, you think there's actually a, a chance here on the – Kyo side that that's 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 a possibility I do and you know for literally every reason that Zarello laid out I, I was originally on Bahio like as of last night on Bahio by submission considerably better grappler as Sean pointed out you know I've been kind of disappointed with his performances in the UFC and that he's not hunting submissions when he looked really good on the contender series but something happened overnight and his sublines went from close to plus 200 all the way less than plus 150 mm. and that's i don't like that price just because again as Zerillo pointed out we don't know that he's actually going to look for the sub he's going to look to get close to one but then is he going to take it but you know if he gets beat up in round one and then decides he's just going to grapple his way to victory in rounds two and three we could get a really good price on him still you know have the hedge of those first round mikhail props that uh sean pointed out but Mikhail is one and two in the UFC in fights that make it past the first round. And that one win was a split decision that was 
pretty questionable. Yeah, he didn't deserve that. Yeah. Right. So if it goes out of the first round, he more or less loses. We can feel pretty comfortable about that. So dream scenario here, you know, we take the round one knockout at plus 1300. If it doesn't happen, but he hurts Bahio, hopefully we get Bahio close to even money at the end of round one. Either way, we come out ahead. That's the way I'm seeing it. Yeah, I agree with the live angle. I think you can also do uh same game parlay with Kyo mm-hmm. in the over one and a half. And then Kyo's round two, round three props. You could you could just play McCall round one, Kyle round two, round three. <laughs> Maybe McCall gets the early round two knockout, but I think after the first round, there should be Kyo's fight. So I agree with the live angle. And I think, like I said, Ky- uh, McCall early, Kyo late props. I think those are fine angles too. All right. So keep an eye on Ola Shaychuk early and his uh, poss- possibility of frustration early on based on what the guys just gave us there. So, and that, I mean, if that catches my attention because as Zarello laid out the, the plus money that's uh, available over at FanDuel money line or potentially KO uh, round one, round two. Okay. Let's go to the prop market. Zarello, what do you have for us? Josh Quinlan by submission at plus 750. He is minus 110 to minus 140 to win this fight inside the distance. This fight is minus 400 to end inside the distance. He is five inches shorter with a five-inch reach discrepancy. Do you think he wants to stand and strike with this guy? He has the grappling advantage. He has a couple of rear naked chokes on his record. He has all of the grappling upside. The problem is Josh Quinlan likes to stand and bang, but I do think in this matchup with the size discrepancy, he will recognize where he has the advantage. So as I said, Minus 400 to end inside the distance. He's minus 110 to win inside the distance. And his subline is plus 750 against the guy who has significant height and reach advantages against him. You don't need to think too much about this one. Josh Quinlan by submission, plus 750, like down to about plus seven. Billy, prop play? Yeah, another middleweight fight, Adolfo Vieira versus Cody Bundage. This is an interesting fight. It's two of the better grapplers in the middleweight division with some significant questions if it's striking i'm looking at adolfo to finish this one by submission you know they're both grapplers but brundage is a d2 former college wrestler who either has a blue or a purple belt in jiu-jitsu adolfo Vieira is like a four-time world champion in jiu-jitsu adcc world champion this is a huge different level between their grappling acumen here and you know it's tough betting on adolfo against guys who might not want it to be a grappling match you know he just lost to chris curtis in a fight that didn't hit the ground very much I just think Bondage is too much of a one-trick pony himself that he's going to force this one to be a grappling match, which is a horrible place for him to be. Also, have a lot of questions about Adolfo's cardio, though. You know, he's tired out, got submitted by guys he shouldn't have if it goes past that. So you can juice this up a little bit by taking his sub early, you know, sub round one. If you've got a same-game parlay sub and under one and a half, props like that, too. And then inside the distance is minus 152 in case he decides to beat him up on the ground instead of tapping him out. I think Vieira has better cardage than better cardio than Cody Brundage. Uh, you know, this is something I was thinking about a lot this week. Vera, a guy on this podcast I've continually bet against because of poor cardio. I think he has the better cardio in this fight. So I don't really know how Brundage wins aside from knocking him out cold. Uh, I don't think he's going to outlast him. I don't think he's going to pace him on the feet. I think Vera might even be the better striker. So yeah, I agree. Vera, same game parlay under two and a half minus half, minus one thirty-five. That seems pretty solid. He probably does this in round one. You could take a look at his round one props too. I, I think he does it quick. Uh, but yeah, there's like a huge gap here in terms of t- decorated grappling acumen. So yeah, uh, I-, I agree with Billy, but I-, I think the cardio like shouldn't even be a concern really. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super, con- that's why, you know, I have the inside the distance or the sub rather than the early stuff. I also wrote this one up for the DFS article that's going to come out shortly. And I said, you know, one guy is tremendously better on the ground. Neither of them are great strikers. Hadolfo might be the better one there. 
you yeah. know, I, I don't, it's definitely not the A skill for either of these guys, but it's, you know, 51 49 at worst for Adolfo. Yeah. He, he is jabs better. I think like extended striking, I trust Adolfo more, but like one punch knockout, I'd probably take Cody, but that's, that's probably his only win condition is just clipping him and hurting him. For a card that neither of you seem to be all that in love with before we started recording, it sounds that I like the energy and the enthusiasm here that you've uh, delivered so far on the podcast. You know, a lot of the fights last week, like we didn't even really get definitive outcomes. A lot of them ended weird, questionable judges' decisions, a headbutt that ended up in a no contest. There there weren't many fights where it was like after the fact, I was like definitively that guy was a good bat or that guy was a bad bat. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I'm able to break down a lot of these fights well this week and feel like I have pretty solid takes but at the same time they're mostly bad fights so uh yeah i mean sometimes the most interesting cards are more difficult to bet sometimes the the less interesting cards are maybe easier to bet i found this one i found like i didn't have a tough time pulling the trigger on a lot of the things i wanted to bet on there there wasn't a lot of like the the blades pavlovich fight last week i gave out reasons why you should bet pavlovich round one or bet blades to win a longer fight and we saw that play out exactly like that i just picked the wrong side so i didn't have as many cases this week where i was like kind of flipping the coin for who do i pick i feel like i have both sides of it i I feel like there's a clear side in a lot of these okay as we normally do before we go we'll call it our final bet best bet i we're gonna adhere to adhere to it as final bet so Zarilla, one more for us for UFC Fight Night in Vegas this weekend. I like final bet. Uh, the buddy system, Martin Budai, minus 110. He has the grappling and the fishing upside here. He is the naturally much bigger heavyweight than Jake Collier. Collier, former middleweight. They matched him up with a lot of guys who are not true heavyweights. He got knocked out by Tom Aspinall in his heavyweight debut. That's a true heavyweight. But after that, they've given him John Vellante, Carlos Felipe, Chase Sherman, Andre Lovsky. Chris Barnett, a lot of guys who have the frames of 205 or 185 pounders who have been flamed and are fighting at heavyweight, like Jay Collier is. Martin Buda is a true heavyweight. This guy's 265 pounds. He will probably be able to take Collier and just push him up against the cage and hold him there for as long as he wants to. In addition to taking him down if he wants to, I think the reason people are betting Collier and view him as a pick in this heavyweight fight, where a lot of fights should be a pick is the volume. They expect over the course of 15 minutes that Collier is going to land more volume. The thing with Budai, though, is he was doubled up in his str- on strikes in his last fight, probably deserved to lose it against Lucas Bresky. But the way he absorbs damage is perfect in terms of the fighter you want to bet on. Never shows that he was impacted by anything, never wears anything on his face. He looks clean at the end of fights. So even though he was doubled up on strikes in his last fight, he was the guy moving forward the whole time. And he was the guy who didn't look like physically like he got hit. So just the optics that Budai has, in addition to the fact that he's going to be 30 to 40 pounds naturally heavier than Collier and have more of the finishing upside, he's extremely durable. And I think if he hits Collier clean, hard a couple times, I think he can fold him. Because like I said, this is one of the first true heavyweights that Collier has actually faced. The guy who has not substantial power, but actual heavyweight power. So Martin Budai, pick him price, minus 110. Like him up to about minus 120. Grappling upside, durability upside, and the cage push upside too. Bill, you've got a prelim uh, fight angle as well. You want to weigh in on this one though? Because you did write up about this fight in the luck ratings article. 
Yeah. So I wrote for this one luck writing article, put a little note here in our show sheet. I I hate giving out so many live angles for this card because you got to be pretty sick to dedicate six hours of your Saturday night to this one. But if you are, come on, man, that's perfect. I will be. Yeah, I'm not judging anyone. That's <laughs> what I'm going to be doing. But I'm just saying, maybe do something else with your time. But if you're doing that, I really like Budai Live. Um, you know, for the luck ratings article, I looked through and I looked through the scorecards of every fight that these guys have had. It went to a decision. Kalia has a lot of decisions where he won round one, maybe round two, lost it late. I think, you know, Sean pointed out he's not really naturally a guy who should be fighting heavyweight. Carrying all that extra weight probably isn't great for the cardio. And his whole game is just a ridiculous amount of volume, which is really hard to sustain for three rounds when you're, you know, 50 pounds overweight or whatever. So if you're watching this one, Kalia is a good round one. Love that spot. But I also do like Badai at a roughly pick em price. All right. And you've got, as you said, you've got a prelim uh, card play as well, money line play. Yeah, this is tough. I If this were earlier in the week at the price we could get her at, this would be my best bet. At the price it's at now, it's more of a final bet. But that's Jamie Lynn Horth. Uh, money is poured in on her against Haley Cohen. This was roughly a pick and I think Horth was even plus money when it was first announced. Now she's in the minus 150 range. I just think Haley Cohen is not good. She, she won a split decision in her contender series fight to get to the UFC that I would have gone the other way. The fight ended with her opponent like seconds away from choking her unconscious. And there's, you know, a certain type of female fighter that looks a certain way that sometimes gets them into the UFC more so than their fighting ability necessarily does. And Cohen fits that description. All of her pre-UFC fights were against people with records like one and one, two and oh, you know, split decision wins against a five and five fighter. Just not an impressive resume before the contender series fight where she didn't look that great. Whereas Horth is 5-0, and all stoppages, reasonably high level of competition. Like I said, don't love it at minus 150 if you're taking it now. But, you know, the fact that we've seen that much money line movement is probably a good sign where the sharp betters are on as well. So, again, love that bet at minus 110, minus 120. Still like it at minus 150. Cohen open plus or uh, minus one twenty. It's all the way out to plus one twenty six now. So the line is completely flipped. It was basically a pick'em across the market, if not a lean towards Cohen as the favorite. And now she's a substantial underdog. I'm also with Horth or on Horth with you at minus one fifty, but not a big bet. And really, wouldn't really bet it past that price. But we've tried to fade uh, Cohen a couple times. She just hasn't been able to get her first UFC fight yet. This is the third time I've bet against her. At this point, I'm just loaning money to the sports books. But maybe this one, maybe this one will actually go through. And as you said, if people want to dedicate that time, um, they can yeah. feel that pain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you want to get a, get in on uh, Jamie Lynn Horth, probably do so now when yep. you tune in before that number continues to rise. All right, gents, that'll do it for this week's UFC betting preview. Normally, we join you on Fridays to get you set for Saturday's card. For Sean Zarillo, Billy Ward, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for tuning into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.